Welcome to Revenue Rehab, your one-stop destination for collective solutions to the biggest challenges faced by marketing leaders today. Now head on over to the couch, make yourself comfortable, and get ready to change the way you approach revenue. Leading your recovery is modern marketer, author, speaker, and chief operating officer at Tegrita, Brandy Starr. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr, and as always, we have another amazing episode for you today. I am joined by Ed Frame. Ed is the founder of Exemplify, all the way from Melbourne, Australia. He designed Exemplify to help businesses work with customers that truly appreciate them. They focus on getting qualified leads that turn into long-term satisfied customers. Ed talks a lot about marketing strategy, email automation, customer relationship, customer journey, customer acquisition, and business growth. He also has established the customer longevity framework to turn buyers into repeat customers, brand advocates, and referral partners without increasing your ad spend. Ed works with his clients to improve customer experience using the power of HubSpot CRM and email automation and implementing these through workshops and strategic customer mapping sessions. Ed, welcome to Revenue Rehab. Your session begins now. Hey, Brandy. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I am excited. I was going to say, you are my first guest from across the pond. Uh, <laughs> or I guess technically, I don't know if Australia is considered the pond, but you get the point. It's a pretty big one. But yes, yeah, the other side of the world for sure. Yes. Well, I am excited to have you. Um, and before we jump in, I like to break the ice with a little woo moment mm. that I call buzzword banishment, where we get to take a buzzword that you hate and banish it ideally forever, but at least for this conversation. So Great. tell me, Ed, what buzzword would you like to get rid of? Certainly. When you when you brought this up, I, I couldn't really think of a buzzword, but one of the things that we've, you know, and I think it started with marketers of, of particular brands, but we have far too many like non like irritating national days. You know, like all good for the mainstream ones of like Mother's Day, Father's Day, International Women's Day, wonderful, but but like National Eagle Week or like Polar <laughs> Bear Day, like stop it <laughs> it's it's so uh, unnecessary and uh yeah or you've got like these kind of like oh it's in international beer day and like oh is that is that international beers only or does that include my own nation's beer oh and like you know so i think i think we need to do away with those um no one's no one's marking their calendar for for national badger week anymore so i was gonna <laughs> say i'm with you with the exception of two my oh, yeah. calendar is marked for National Taco Day, National <laughs> Margarita Day, and National Tequila Day. That's Those are very important holidays for me. 
So, you know, I could do without Shark Week and some of these yeah. other things. But if you start messing with my tacos and margaritas, <laughs> we might have some problems. But you you can have those things any day. Like you, you're an adult. You've got 365 days to have those things. It's that sort of, yeah, somebody decided, oh, we'll make this day day that. So and, yeah, um, and, and make a lot of money off it, you know, from like yeah. who chose that day yeah. and why. Uh, exactly. So I am with yeah. you. We will ban <laughs> all of the national made up holidays, That's uh, it. at least for this conversation. Sounds um, great. <laughs> and so now that we've gotten that off our chest, uh, now I'm also craving tacos. Uh, but tell me what brings you to Revenue Rehab today? Yeah, brilliant. So here to, to really um, talk to your audience about how they can really improve their post-sale customer experience, which allows them to retain a lot more of their customers. Um, loving the title of, of Revenue Rehab, where um, getting new customers in the door is great, um, and you know, you get fresh revenue, but you don't necessarily get a lot of profit from those new customers. Your profit really comes from the people who buy consistently from you or have a longer term contract or, you know, spend, you know, uh, an amount with you that and then have a relationship with you that brings you more re referral partners as well. So um, so that's where that's what I'm here to, to really uh, bring to the table. Awesome. Um, and I, I can't wait to dig into that, but I definitely believe in setting intentions. Uh, mm. It gives us focus, it gives us purpose, and most important, it gives our audience an understanding of what they should expect for today. So for all of our CMOs and heads of marketing listening, um, after our conversation, what would you like to be different or better? Yeah, so I what I want you to, to really take away from this is that your business success and your marketing success does not stop and end with just running paid ads. Um, that is a wonderful way to grow your business. It is a it is a great way to bring in new new customers. Um, but what I want to, you to really take away from this is how you can extract more revenue and more value from your current customers um, by creating an exceptional customer experience for them, which turns them into repeat buyers and brand advocates in the future. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring that up. I know in uh, episode 19, we talked uh, with Christina about voice of customer and how mm. that is important in understanding your customer for driving how you market um, and you know how you develop your product or service. And I think this is another flavor of actually focusing on customers, which is to understand that this is a key revenue source. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I early in my career, I was in customer marketing for a lot of years. That was my focus was developing strategies around cross-sell, upsell. And I work with a number of my clients now on, you know, how do we support the entire life cycle and not just demand generation? And so I'm definitely, you know, we're here, like yeah. we're, we're definitely That's seeing it. eye to eye on that. But I think the thing that I see most often that I have always wondered that I want to get your take on is even though most people that run marketing, whether it's the head of marketing or those functional managers who, you know, have to determine where to spend their time, everybody knows cross-sell, upsell, you know, selling into your existing customers, 
is easier, it's cheaper, you know, it helps with uh, retention, all those sorts of things. Yet the still the priority and focus and time and budget is always, and I mean, I'd venture to say, you know, almost 100% of the time is focused on driving net new. Yep. Why does that happen? I think there's a, there's a couple of things. And I, first of all, I think there's that culture of, you know, even the, the way a sales team is structured, you know, you're incentivized on bringing in new revenue. Your, your pay commissions are, are based on, you know, net new, um, and, you know, a commission of a particular seal. And so if you're going to get a new contract, for example, it tends to be, you know, the, the net new one might be the bigger one, and then you've got somebody else going forward. But, you know, if we were to change that and actually incentivize teams on the actual lifetime value of a client, you know, how much, how different would those, how different would those sales conversations be? How different would those um, new clients, how much, more different would they be with the sales team actually focus on um, all the, like you said, the voice of a customer personas, knowing that, okay, well, I might make, you know, $10,000 commission here, but if I've got the greater good amount, I could be making hundreds of thousands, you know, until the day I die, you know? And so, um, so it's, you know, there's, there's almost that culture. And, and like you said, you know, it is easier, you know, it's statistics have shown and, and there's been research to prove that it's, you know, four to eight times easier to retain a customer rather than get a net new one. You know, if you increase your customer retention rate by 5%, your profitability can increase from anywhere between 25 and 95%. And so, yeah, there's there's all this information out there that we we know in the back of the he our heads, but we don't really trust it. And, and sometimes that also comes from we perhaps undervalue the services that we actually provide to our customers um, of, you know, I said, okay, yeah, they're paying, but we, we had a project, but, you know, it, it wasn't as good as I thought when actually the customer actually had a great time, you know, and they had a great experience. So there's sometimes that uh, maybe they're, maybe we can't, you know, ask them for, you know, another, you know, 15, 20 grand on top of what they've already been spending um, because we're not as confident in our own service. But for somebody who's never had that experience with us before, it's a blank slate. So I think there's there's definitely some some team culture and, and some mindset changes um, that, that reference heavily on those. Okay. And so I think there's two places I want to dig in. So we talk about mm -hmm. the revenue team um, which is, you know, largely going to be made up of the marketing and sales functions, not exclusively, yeah. but those are two, yeah. two key places. So you hit on something that I think is key on the sales side. And yeah. so I want to start there. And one of the things you talked about is how sales is incented. Mm. And you're right that they are generally compensated nicely when it comes to net new. Yeah. Um, and then if I think about the most common structure in sales teams, and I see this changing some now, but I would still say it is the most common is where you have those hunters and farmers. You've got mm -hmm. the hunters that are out there trying, you know, they're beating the pavement, trying to drive net new. They close that business. And at some point that account transitions from being theirs into someone that is more of a farmer who is responsible for selling into those existing customers. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that that structure is 
kind of the, one of the problems in that, mm. you know, not only am I not incented there, it's like, I don't even care if this yeah. is a good long-term customer. As long as I can get them right. to cut me that first check, then I win. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like you're, you know, you're, you're sort of setting the business up for failure to a certain yeah. extent with a short-term mentality. Why don't you think people have changed the way that they are handling sales and managing accounts so that there isn't this awkward handoff? Yeah, I, I think there's, there's always that because this is the way it's always been done, you know, and there's, you know, this is the, you know, the, the, the way things have always been done. Um, so that's always hard to change. Um, I would say that there's, as well, people don't necessarily believe that there's a problem. And, you know, in the sense of the, the alignment that you have between sales and service, the kind of the expectation is that we're, you know, we're actually confident enough in our own product or service that, you know, once we get them in the door, the service team will be able to provide a good enough service that 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 will just lean into into more sales and and um, more more products and services being sold. So there's, I wouldn't say it's a naivety, but I think there's a, you know, the expectation is that our 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 service will will do the selling for us when that's just not the case. Um, it's very interesting what you you said as well of just that you know as as soon as somebody has got that first check and they are done. And it's not even a sense of they're done in a couple of months time. It's like, once that contract is signed, the most important thing that really a customer needs is that handover between sales and service to be done well. But the incentive is already completely out the door with the, the sales. You know, it's just like, and I'm not trying to ban my sales teams here. <laughs> um, but I don't want to go down that road. But, um, but I think there is just that, like, as soon as you, you know, as soon as you've got that check, you know, in your account, it's just like, why would I want to to deal with a sales rep and, you know, asking me questions, you know, trying to get things set up when actually I could be trying to close that next sale, um, you know, and it's just, it's just human nature. Like, well, I'm going to go where the money is here. Um, so rather than, you know, it's up to, up to you know, I, I got them through the door. It's now on to somebody else to, to keep them there. Um, so I think there's there's a huge part of of that culture that if we really you know we we focused so much in the last five to ten years on that um, marketing and sales alignment, I really think that there's that sales to service alignment that actually will um, there's just so much untapped growth for so many businesses just in in that that part alone. Yeah, and I think you know another thing to add to that is if you think about the natural talents and skills of the people mm. that get hired in a sales role focused on net new versus a customer success or service mm. position, they really are motivated by different things. Like Completely. someone who is going to go out and, you know, hunt for that next sale, they're very money motivated and they're yep. going to go where the dollar is. Someone who's going to be amazing in customer success or in service is generally going to naturally be more nurturing, more customer centric. Um, yeah. And I do think that that's where we create a little bit of a disconnect. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to, cause I am like, my head is going down a rabbit hole in yeah. terms of like sales structure, yeah. but I want to pull it back to talk more about this post-sale customer experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. So start by telling me, what do you think good looks like? What does good look like? Yeah. 
Wow. So in terms of, I would say good looks like you are constantly communicating with your customers, even in the points where you you don't believe that you should be. Um, so an example of that is being able to, um, you know, just for example, a um, when you've got that sales and service handover, um, you know, most of the times that you've, you know, somebody signs a contract for like, a, let's say a, a service-based business, and you know that in two weeks time, there's a kickoff call, but you've just signed a contract, you just handed, you know, money has left your account, and then you're not hearing anyone from a couple of weeks. So being able to keep in just constant communication of what the next step's happening, what's happening behind the scenes while you're you're doing all these things and just keeping the keeping customers updated. Um, I like to, to sort of put that in the same ballpark as if you order something online, it's a much better experience when you're you've got your confirmation of dispatch, you've got that, you know, tracking numbers, things like that. Just being in constant, hey, this is this is what's this is what we're doing, this is what's coming next, and this is what what we're preparing for. So I'd say that's that's really that that first part of just getting good. Um, and the next part is really understanding your customers' problems and emotions at different stages throughout the 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 customer journey. So whenever um, they have made a purchase, um, there is that likelihood that there's going to be that element of buyer's remorse. Um, so they're starting, you know, they've they're starting to think, oh, was this actually a good decision? Will this actually help me solve my problem? And actually being able to then understand what those emotions are and then being able to help mitigate that buyer's remorse through uh, communication again. So um so those would be sort of two of the two of the starting blocks and um and that would be sort of the yeah the good but not great good come yeah <laughs> we can start by getting everyone to good yeah um and so you talked a bit about that constant communication and i do mm. think online shopping is a great example of what that can look like yeah. um because you're right it keeps the excitement like i ordered it I got the confirmation. So I now, you know, no nerves about did it go through or any of yeah. those things. You know, now I know it just shipped. So I'm excited all over again. Yeah. And, you know, nowadays you can track your shipment, you know, step by step to the point yeah. you know when the driver's, you know, going to pull up. Um, so thinking about on the B2B side, because most of the revenue yeah. rehab listeners are in the B2B space, mm. I think the biggest thing that I see that is a barrier is it's not always so obvious. So, yeah. you know, when you make an online purchase, it goes into a system like that same system is sending out the emails in B2B, yeah. it's not as transactional. Yeah. So how do companies that are, you know, not in a transactional model, how mm. do they get that constant communication in a meaningful way? So I think there's still that, Really with the first, um, yeah, for, for a B2B service, um, there's really still though that initial, somebody has made a, a, you know, a signed a contract or, you know, and I feel that there's there's real milestones that you could really put like, activities to. So the first one is, you know, a customer has had a problem and then they've made a purchase to solve, you know, they purchased a service to actually solve that problem. Um, then there's that, you know, waiting point after you've made that purchase before you officially begin. So that might be that gap between signing a contract and having that initial kickoff call. And then 
really from there, there's a kind of, okay, we're then working together. We've had that kickoff call. We're now in progress of actually achieving your goal. So, you know, if you're a copywriting agency, for example, the goal is not to get a, you know, a, a, PD, uh, a word document with, with some nice copy. Your, your, your goal is to get a sales page that converts customers into, um, uh, converts uh, leads into, into customers. So essentially it's, it's looking at what are those, what are those um, steps in between? So, um, you know, the proceed, then the progress, what are you, what are you doing to actually, you know, implement your service? And then what's the point where their problem has like solved? Where is, where is the point where their business is like the the reason why they made a purchase with you has has vanished that that problem has gone and it's been able to just think in your in your process of what where are these certain milestones and essentially those are really the the pillars to them creating your experience so understanding the needs and the emotions of your customers within those different phases and then it's a case of thinking well actually how can i you know, if, if this is a point where we start to see the excitement dip, you know, what can we do to actually lift the excitement back up? Or if, if this is a part where we start to see people, um, you know, starting to, to worry about the results, what can we do to actually make them, you know, um, yeah, uh, more at ease with, with the process and, and things like that? Um, so so that's really, so it's really sort of taking whatever your, your kind of, processes and actually breaking it down in, into those um i i have seven different stages that i that i work with most businesses on and we and we um don't use those different stages to and define a process put the process in, within those seven stages and so i really like that because if you think about it depending on what you're buying that mm. you know some people call it time to value um you know there's different industry terms in different you know fields yeah. but like that moment where the problem that I was trying to solve is now solved. Yeah. I think that is a place where we don't always think about that because, yeah. you know, if you think about you're making an online purchase, like if I go online to buy a dress, you know, yeah. for my event on Saturday, the moment I put the dress on on Saturday, like, you know, problem solved, like it's, problem solved. it's pretty yeah. obvious. Yeah. Um, but if we think about software, for example, mm there's some software that the time to value is like pretty instant. Yes. You know, it's yes. like we just switched to Zoom for our web conferencing and the benefits over what we were using, you know, previously within two days, you know, yeah. our team was like, wow, this is so much better. Yeah. But then there's others, you know, I have a client now, we're implementing one technology, they have another vendor implementing another technology and that other technology is an eight month implementation six to eight yeah, months wow. just to get it stood up. And that's mm. not even getting value from it. That's just, you know, basically getting it on. And, yeah. and so you think about that period of, you know, if I'm selling Zoom, my window of communicating mm. for time to value is short. Yes. If I've got an eight month implementation and, you know, another three to four months before the value is realized, I need to have a plan yeah. for how I'm going to keep that momentum. Correct. And and the, that's a really good example. And, and one of the, the differences that I, I use is the difference between using a personal trainer and getting a haircut. You know, getting a haircut from start to finish of problem to problem solved is, for me, it's about 30 minutes. Um, for you, Brandy, maybe 
a very different experience. No longer. If <laughs> <laughs> no that's it. But whenever, but if you were to use a personal trainer, and like in my experience, it was to try and like gain ten kilos was probably the the last time I kind of had a gym membership was, and that was you know that was about a six to eight month. You know that was a long time, and it took a lot of you know commitment and and you you know. But the the problem between problem solved is quite long. But there are also little wins along the way, and I think that's one of the things to really focus on. Like for your client, for example, a six to eight month implementation. You know how can they show the value in that implementation? You know what are the different things that is just like when certain things start to happen. You're like, hey you're not going to be able to use this yet, but you can now see that this is how this is going to solve your problem along the way. And so you're being able to reinstate that excitement and reinstate that um, actually, you know what you are, in, you have made a good decision. This is going to, to help you in the long run. And you can, you know, if there's things to think about during the process, what are those different things that you can give your customers or your clientele to you know, work on um, and, and get thinking about it or start doing alongside so that, you know, the day that piece of software is implemented, that it is, it is go time, you know? So, um, so yeah, so every business com- is completely different on, especially that progress phase. It can really be, as I said, 30 minutes or it can be, you know, 68 months, like you said. Okay. And, and you it sparked a lot of ideas for me. So I want to shift and talk about marketing a little bit. Yeah. Um, so if I think about just where we are, you know, at least here in North America, we are, you know, some people say a recession is coming, you know, there's all sorts of financial predictions, but right now there are a lot of companies who are pulling back on resources. So marketing budgets are being cut, you know, teams are unfortunately being reduced. Um, however, revenue goals are not changing. And so, you know, assuming I am a head of marketing and, you know, I'm trying to do more with less uh, and figure out how to hit this number Mm. and I want to shift and focus more on customer marketing so that we can still drive that revenue number without the large ad spend and, you know, booths for events and all these sorts of things. Um, let's assume for this conversation, I don't have any influence over service. I don't have any influence over sales. I'm focused on marketing. What direction am I giving my team right now? Great. Are you just just to to make sure I've fully got this now? Do you have access to a CRM with all your current customers in there? Yes. We're going to assume we've got a comfy, you know, revenue stack, um, yeah, you know, whatever comfy is. Uh, I don't want to make us bare bones, but just you know, kind of putting it in the the mind frame of our audience because uh, this is a very real problem that people yep. are facing right now. So you know, what's your advice? What do we do here? My my personal thing is to to really look at who have been people who have been your current customers beforehand. Starting to look at if they you know whether it's uh, you know a customer in the past or you know a, a client. What are the different things that you can actually ser- provide services and provide off- uh, offerings to those to those people again, and, and really look at re-nurturing those people to to become back in. Because, like we said at the very start, four times easier to sell to somebody who's been a customer beforehand, and that also means like if somebody has had a 
bad experience, you know, actually, you know, maybe this is a, an opportunity to try and write that wrong and kind of understand a little bit, about, bit more about why they left. Um, difficult conversations to have, but the reason, but if they're difficult, it means no one's doing it. So, um, so yeah, difficult conversation to have of, you know, um, being able to say, hey, you know, we wanted to get a little bit of understanding of, of uh, why why you left our service. Uh, you know, eventually, what could what could we have done better? And and uh, probably really through that conversation, you'll start to find actually the things that they actually need are really really achievable. So um, so being able to 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 get get a few of those low hanging fruit conversations with people who have currently been who have previously been customers. Um, and then I would say, like within your your funnel of marketing of people who haven't been customers, start to really identify who are the you know the the cream of the crop in that term of you know who are the the people who have who look like they could be a very good long term lifetime value customer and and focus on them, um, really trying to to close them and, and nurturing them um, with all kinds of different. Um, uh, I would say in the, in the way that they want to be communicated with, um, you know, look at, you know, if it's, you know, getting it instead of just using like a, an, an, a monthly newsletter with, you know, email tokens, actually start to reach out using something like Vidyard or Loom, having a very, very one-to-one personal um, relationship to, you know, try and build those relationships to, to start to, to nurture those people down sooner. I think that's, something that we're seeing a lot of, of, you know, the, the, the people who give me the one-to-one attention and create a very personalized approach um, are the people I'm more likely going to do business with because I, you know, if I'm not willing, if no one's willing to spend more in the, in the world at the moment, it's going to be the people who I have the most trust in are going to be the people that's going to get my money. So that, no, that would I, be my, I, yeah. no, I definitely like that. Um, because yeah, you you are definitely right there in that we have to first, you know, and, and I talked about episode 19 where we talked about voice a customer. The action item yeah. there was also talk to your customers. Yeah. Um, and this is another example of, you know, not just talking to the good ones, but talking to the bad ones uh, yeah. to figure out. Because sometimes handling a bad situation well can yes. actually create a customer for life. Um, you know, it, it's because it, it's you know it's what you do in the face of adversity that really shows your character. Um, exactly that. And, and and it's, it's nowhere near as you know. I, I you know even if you provide a good service, you know in the back of your head, like, oh, we could have done this better. We could have done this better. We could have done. Your customer has no idea about that. So you know if they've had a. a a couple of negative experiences, you know, it might be something just so small and so easy and be like, oh, you know what? That you're completely right. We actually we've changed that within our process and that's completely gone. Um, this is how we do it now. And does this sound like a better way? You know, uh, you know, is this gonna solve your problem more than what we what we previously had? Um, so yeah, I, I think there's difficult conversations that you know no one else is doing. So get in there. Awesome. And I am very curious. Um, I know that you do strategic customer mapping sessions. Can you tell yeah. me what is that? Yeah, great. So essentially, it's looking at the moment somebody makes a purchase all the way through to how do we get them to become a brand advocate? So it's working one-on-one with the business. And as I, as I mentioned, there's there's really seven phases that somebody goes through. They There's that problem. They 
then you know per- make a purchase to solve that problem. They get started. There's that progression stage of trying to solve that problem. They solve the problem. Then there's that repurchase and then brand advocacy after that. And so it's really a way of looking at what's happening in those stages and what can you do to improve the experience to actually funnel those customers down in, into, you know, really from that post-sale into, into brand advocacy. Where is the point where you ask your te- for your testimonials? Where's the point, you know, how do you ask for testimonials? What's the point? What is the stuff that you do as soon as somebody makes a purchase? You know, where do you, when do you send them a, a really great gift in the, in the middle of the process? All kinds of different things. It's completely bespoke for every business. Um, but it's really a way of creating a better experience so that um, your, your clients actually, you know, they not only are they solving their problems, they're just, the joy of working with you is just so great. There's like, how am I not going to, um, how am I not going to refer this person or how am I not going to want to work with this person again if I have that similar problem? Okay, so it's like journey mapping, but on the post-sale side of, of creating advocates. Correct, yeah. So I actually originally, when I first started the business, I was kind of doing sales and marketing. I've been a digital marketer for, for nine years. Um, but I just actually found it's just like the, the post-sale experience has in my mind, it was just, there's a lot more value, untapped value in here. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of fantastic marketing strategists out there. Um, but when it comes to the the customer experience, I think that's where most businesses have the, the most untapped growth opportunities. And so it's, um, it's a great, great, uh, great to be a part of that and helping businesses improve that part of their business. Awesome. Well, talking about our challenges is just the first step and nothing changes if nothing changes. So in traditional therapy, the therapist gives the client some homework, but at Revenue Rehab, we like to flip that on its head. And I want to ask you to give our listeners some homework. Um, So if you could summarize your key takeaways and give us that one thing, what is the one thing you want our listeners to do after listening to this episode. Perfect. So really my, my summary is, uh, I'm not going to say like um, completely revamp your sales team. Um, that's <laughs> that's going to be a little bit too much, but think think about what we, we spoke about with, with the way incentives, um, sales incentives and customer service handovers happen. That's a really important part. And, and think about how does where that disconnect is in your business and, and have a think about what, what are the different ways that you could potentially solve that. Um, with regards to your customer experience, I, w- I would highly recommend thinking about what is the first thing that happens when somebody signs a contract or you know money leaves their account and it, and it comes into your business. What is one of the things, what, what are the, the things that you're currently doing? And essentially, how can you, so how can you make that better with better communication? Um, how can you actually, the, the problems that somebody has, how can you immediately try and mitigate that buyer's remorse? So um, one of the things I actually recommend you do is to have an automatic, you know, the very basic is having an automatic email that goes out and use some of the content that you use in your sales process to reinforce the reason why somebody made a purchase your sales team has done a fantastic job of convincing that person to buy from you as soon as they've made that purchase make sure that they that 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 
reaffirmation is there that you've they've got a testimonial they're they're able to read a testimonial that is very similar to somebody in their position that if there's a case study of somebody who has gone through the same same thing they're about to embark on a journey with you they're they this is not a you know they they don't know that they're getting a, a return on investment so they they need to make sure that this was a good purchase. So I highly recommend using some of the, the content that you might use in your marketing and sales to convince people to actually reaffirm that they've made a great purchase. I love that. So our one thing is take a look at what you are sending or not yep. once someone makes a purchase and figure out either how to create something so that you're adding that value and avoiding buyer's remorse or make whatever you have in place better. I love that as our action item. Um, Ed, I have enjoyed our discussion, but that's our time for today. Wonderful, Uh, thank you so much. uh, Thank you, and before we go, tell us how can our audience connect with you? Great, so uh, exemplify.com.au, so I am based in Australia, so don't forget that .au at the end. Um, also, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I love connecting with new people. Uh, if you connect with me, I'll probably send you a message to strike up a conversation. Um, and it's not automated. It's just I like to, I like chatting. So um, yeah, so connect with me on LinkedIn, Ed Frame, um, and uh, I, I really look forward to learning more about your business, more about your customers, why are they buying from you, and how you can get them to to become uh, repeat buyers and brand advocates of your business. Well, thank you so much for joining me and thanks everyone for joining us today. I hope that you have enjoyed my conversation with Ed. I can't believe that we're at the end. See you next time. You've been listening to Revenue Rehab with your host, Brandy Starr. Your session is now over, but the learning has just begun. Join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at revenuerehab.live. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Revenue Rehab. This concludes this week's session. We'll see you next week.